This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. I want to start this morning uh, by asking the question, have you ever felt like you were supposed to do something, right? Have you ever felt like you're supposed to do something, and then you start doing it, you get into the mix of it, and it's completely different than what you expected it to be? Or it's completely different than the way you thought it was going to be, right? You, you, you had this idea, and you're like, okay, I'm going to go pursue this. I'm going to go uh, for that. I'm going to start this career path. I'm going to go to school for that. I'm going to do this, whatever. And then you get into it, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not what I expected at all. Like, it was either, like, super hard, like, way harder maybe than you anticipated, or it was just completely different. Like, you thought it was one way, and then you get into it, and it was a completely different way. Has anyone ever experienced something? Okay, so you have. So now I'm going into the more rhetorical land here. Uh, you don't have to raise your hand. But think about it. Did you push through, or did you bail? Like, did you push through and think, man, this is super tough, super difficult, but I know I'm supposed to do this, so I'm going to keep trekking on? Or were you like, oh, uh, yeah, so... Uh, this was a cool idea, cool thought, but no, I, I, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm taking off. And if you did, think of your answer. And if you did, do you feel like you were literally released from that? Do you feel like, like it was the right decision to, to, to bail? Or do you think that you bailed because maybe you were discouraged or distracted? Or you met some challenges and were like, oh man, I don't know that I'm ready to do this. Maybe fear was a factor in sort of stepping away. Next question in this same process, in this same situational discussion. Did you seek God at the forefront of said decision, of said journey, of said process? Did you seek God at the beginning, or were you just like, hey, you know what? I'm calling the shots. I'm running the show. I'm going to just, I think this is a good idea, so I'm going to do it, right? And so we kind of worked backwards there, but the question, the reason I'm asking you this is because the process is what we're talking about today, and it is so important to the promise. We talked last week about the preparation, there's the process journey in the middle, and then the promise is over here. And so, in my life, there's a huge, th- th- this church, this church has been a huge process for me, and for my family, and for, um, you know, the, the ministry that God has called me to, and all of that. Listen, this place, when I showed up, um, February 2011, this place was called Faith Temple Church of God, right? And of the people, I think Don, yes, okay, Don, second service, some of the other people come, but Don is the only one that was here when that happened here in first service. And so um, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting. And from the, for the transition from where it was in February of 2011 to what it has become today has been a process, right, Don? I mean, it's been a process. It's, it's, it's been crazy. And so the thing is, the preparation that I had leading up to this, me personally, I had a lot of preparation leading into showing up here on February 11th, 2011, right? I was in, um, I was in, when I was in youth group, when I was a teenager, I was on like student leadership teams, right, in the youth group where they grab students that are like have leadership ability and qualities or whatever, and they bring them in, they kind of disciple them and use them as student leaders among their peers at youth group and all that. So I was on student leadership teams. Um, the, the biggest one I think I was on was at Grace Community Church, which is over at like uh, Maross and 94. Are you guys familiar 
with that church, that area. So I was on a student leadership team over there. And it's interesting because you guys know about Paradox Church over here on Mound, like uh, 12 and a mound, 12 and a half, 11 and a half a mound. It's crazy because uh, Craig is, it w- was the pastor. He just stepped away. But Craig was the pastor there for like 10 years. And people were like, oh, do you know Craig McGlasson, you know, the guy who's, who's at Paradox? And I loved getting the opportunity to say, yeah, he was my youth pastor, right? Because they thought, they figured we were like, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, he's my youth pastor over at Grace. I was on a student leadership team. Um, but I was on a student team, so I was learning about ministry, doing all this. Many of you guys know my story. Uh, when I was a junior in high school, I started a youth group um, out of my house, and that kind of grew from my living room to my basement, from my basement to someone else's houses, all these different houses that were bigger than mine, and then we ended up meeting in a high school auditorium, and so I was a youth pastor for probably, I don't know, my junior year, my senior year, into my first two years of college of this like independent youth group that wasn't connected to a church. It was just hey, let's do this. I felt like I was too young, so I got adults to come and teach, but I was the one kind of orchestrating and organizing and doing all these different things. And so then I felt like, you know what, I need more preparation. I can't just get out there and do this thing. So I went to college and got my bachelor's degree in pastoral ministry, uh, ministry minor, all this different stuff. I did that, and I'm like, you know what, I still need, I still need some, some preparation in this thing. I can't just jump in. And so I was doing internships all through college at different churches for different roles, different positions, um, and then I took a job as a youth pastor in Georgia because I wanted to understand, like, the framework of leading a multi-staffed uh, team, of having different people who are doing different things and understand kind of the framework. So I got involved with a really healthy church down in Georgia, and they're still killing it. It's, it's incredible. And so I had all this preparation because I knew that God had called me to be a pastor. I knew that God had laid that out for my life and said, Sam, this is what I want you to do. I understood that when I was in 11th and 12th grade. And so I, I began the preparation process, right? And so I go through this whole preparation. And then February 2011, I get voted in as the pastor here. And that thus begins the process, right? The process. I knew the promise. The promise was a lead pastor of a church that, that felt like a family, that was an authentic community that authentically chase Jesus, not the church politics, not the the sermon stuff to get people to clap, but to actually encourage and challenge people to follow Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. I knew that that's where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do, but the process, the process was grueling. And I I don't say that lightly. And it's been grueling. And to be honest, we're still in process. We are still not, you know, the church, we're moving forward. We're still not the church that we aim to be. There's still a lot of stuff we want to work out, a lot of kinks we need to iron out, a lot of vision shifting and changing and growing and all that stuff. But in the process, I mean, when it started, I came here February 2011. um, I was working two other jobs and not getting paid here, but I was spending the most time here that I've ever spent here, right? Like I was here... 40, 50 hours a week, not getting paid for like 18 months while working two other jobs on the weekends and getting up early in the morning and doing stuff. And so it was a grind, right? And it was like this, this really, really long grind. And we had great Sundays and then we had setbacks. I remember getting up here, getting ready to go, um, having some people leading worship and there were like legitimate, like you think first service is small right now? There were legitimately like eight, nine people in here, and this was back when we had bright orange pews and orange carpet and a white sparkly wall, and the projector was shining on the white sparkly wall, so you couldn't kind of, you kind of could see, kind of couldn't, and you can't tell, but that back wall is textured like popcorn, and it had glitter in it, and so it kind of looked like a giant unicorn where you could kind of read the words, but not really, and the pews, it looked huge in there, and there were like someone sitting over there and over there, and like, no doubt, always someone right center in the front row, and then like, you know, and so I'm like, all right, yeah, this, it's a process. This is what God is calling us to, right? Yeah, 
we'll keep marching on, we'll keep moving forward. Like, the, when the band started this morning, I think there were like two or three people in here, and Lauren like looked out at me in the lobby and was like, what do I do? I'm like, get going, you know, welcome to the process, let's, let, let's go. Um, and so it was this, this, this long, tough process, and it was extremely difficult. And see, I think at times we get in the process and we face opposition, things get a little tough, Things get a little hard here and there, and it stops us in our tracks. It brings us to a screeching halt. And so this morning, I want to pick back up in the story of Moses and uh, look at the process that Moses goes through. And hopefully take some encouragement, hopefully take some advice, some things that we can apply to our lives and our process so that um, hopefully it can encourage us to push through and to move forward and to keep going. Because today we're picking up the story of Moses right where we left off last week. So last week we talked about preparation, right? We hit the preparation of Jochebed, which was Moses' mom, the preparation that she made when she placed Moses in the Nile River at a specific place, at a specific time, in a specific season for the, the princess to come find him, right? And then we talked about the process that Moses went through and raising him up to become, man, why does it do that all the time? Um, the process that Moses went through in order to, did that work? No. This is just not going to work for me again. Guys, I tested this yesterday. Went through the whole thing. Hold on. If I hit this, does it go back to the black screen? It's, goodness, it is what it is, right? Let me see. Drag that in, screen mirroring, Apple TV, don't be a jerk. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay, so it was this preparation that Moses went through where he was, you know, brought in by the princess, and then she couldn't find anyone to wean him, right? Just giving you a quick overview. Couldn't find anybody to wean him, so uh, Miriam, who is Moses' sister, said, hey, I'll find a Hebrew woman to raise him for the first little bit and nurse him and all that stuff. So Moses was actually raised in his own house until he was probably three, four, five years old. And so in that process, he's learning about the Hebrew culture. He's learning about the Hebrew people. He's learning about his people, finding out who he is, and a foundation is being laid. And then he's raised in the palace, right, in the palace courts with Pharaoh as, the, as a young prince and all these things. And get all that. And last week, we left off where he's about 40 years old, and he's living in the palace, right? So this week, we're going to pick off right where we left off. Let's pray real quick, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump right in. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the story of Moses. Thank you so much for the process. It can be so difficult and challenging and trying at times, but God, thank you for the process because it sharpens us, it refines us, it grows us moving forward if we allow you to continue to lead. God, we thank you, we love you, we praise you, we adore you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So we pick up the process where Moses, we pick up the story where Moses is about 40 years old. Now, I told you last week that um, the story of Moses is covered in two spots of the Bible. It's in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? Four books in the Old Testament kind of treks through his life. And then Acts chapter 7 gives us sort of a, a quick overview of the story of Moses. So this morning, we're going to bounce back and forth between those uh, spots and kind of cover this story. So the first place we're going to start is Matthew, or is Acts chapter 7, verse 23, right? And it says this. It says, but when he was approaching the age of 40... It entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel, which makes you think of sons of anarchy, which makes you think these dudes were hardcore and awesome. But really, it's just the Israelites, right? The Hebrews, um, uh, the Hebrew people. So as he's approaching the age of 40, 
it entered into his head that I'm going to go visit these people. Now listen, this is not the first time he realized that the Hebrews were enslaved. This is not the first time that he realized that his people were being, um, you know, tortured and abused and used to build the, the, the kingdom that was Egypt at that time. Now there's two different uh, sort of theological schools of thought on this. Some people, one, one camp, thinks that Moses didn't know God's calling on his life until the burning bush. Until he stood before the burning bush and God was like, Moses, I want you to release my people. Because that's what God sounds like in the movies. Moses, I want you to lead my people out of slavery from Egypt. Right? Except that he has a British accent and I can't do that. And so some people think that's when Moses realized, oh, that's what I'm on the earth for. That's my purpose. That's my calling. Another school of thought thinks and believes that Moses knew the whole time, that Moses knew that God had called him, God had spared him for something special. Moses knew that it was his job, his responsibility, his calling to free and lead the people of Israel out of bondage and captivity and slavery. So I lean more towards the second school of thought, that Moses knew what God was up to, that Moses knew what God had called him to, because I think that brings a lot of clarity to this situation that's about to take place when he goes and visits the people. Right? It's this idea that Moses knew that he was going to lead the people out of Israel. Moses knew that God was going to use him in a mighty and powerful way to alter the destiny of the Israelites. And so Moses gets this thought in his head. It says, it entered his mind to visit the brethren, the sons of Israel. Moses knows what he's called to do, knows what he's supposed to do, and Moses gets anxious. Moses says, yo, God, What's up? I thought this is what you had called me to do. I thought this was who I was supposed to be. I thought this is the way that things things going to go down. And here I am, 40 years old, and nothing's happened. What's going on? God, where are you at? You know? What, what's the deal? You made this promise to me. You made this, this, this calling on my life. You know, what's going on? So he gets anxious, and he puts the cart before the horse. He starts to force the situation. He says, okay, all right. I'm going to jumpstart this thing. I'm going to be a catalyst. I'm going to get this thing going. Let's go. So he gets this idea in his mind to go visit the Israelites. And if you jump over to Exodus chapter 2, verse 12, once he gets there, he sees that the Egyptians are abusing the Israelites, right? It's not a news flash. This is nothing new, right? These guys are in slavery and in persecution, and, and the Israelites are being poorly and terribly mistreated. And so he shows up. He sees this. It says, glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And so Moses, at 40 years old, he wants to jumpstart this thing. He wants to get this thing going, right? He knows who he's called to be. He knows what he's called to do. Let's get this thing going, right? So he shows up. He sees this happening. He gets this idea in his mind. I'm going to make this happen. Let's go do this. He gets out there. He looks this way. He looks that way. He sees the Egyptian uh, mistreating him. He goes and he kills the Egyptian and hides it. Now, I don't think that this was a, uh, like a ploy of Moses to like take a shot at the Egyptian government. Ooh, I'm going to show them. I'm going to kill this guy, right? I don't think this was like a situation where something snapped and he was like, nah, I can't, like a crime, a fit of passion and rage. I'm going to go kill this guy, ah, right? I, I don't think that was the situation, right? This was, he looks this way. All right, coast is clear. Looks that way. Okay, coast is clear. All right, let's do this thing, right? And he goes and he kills this Egyptian. I think that Moses' intention was to rally the troops, I think this was going to give Moses some street cred to the Israelites, right? I mean, seriously, I think he came up and he was like, all right, I got an idea in my head. I'm going to go visit them. I'm going to jump start this thing. I know what God's called me to do. I know who God's called me to be. I am going to make this thing happen in here, right here, right now. And so his intention was to rally the troops and jump start the process. And so then if you jump over 
back to Acts chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. It says, and when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. Right? This is what he did. This way, that way, he's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump in. And he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him. You see that? He does it and he thinks, all right, now they're going to know that I'm the guy. Now they're going to know that I'm the one that's going to lead them out of captivity. Now they're going to get it. They're going to see it. They're going to jump on board. And then I can finally be who I'm called to be. I can finally do what I'm called to do. Do you see the progression that takes place? But then it says this, but they did not understand. Puffs his chest out. He's like, Yo, y'all see what I just, <laughs> y'all, y'all see that over there? Yeah, that, that was me. I mean, that was me. Nobody, like, what? Why? Huh? This doesn't, this doesn't compute. This is not, the Hebrews didn't get it. And I believe that Moses at this point, his competence was quickly replaced by confusion. Because he thought Until now, things are going great. The plan's working out. Everything's coming together. God's called me to do this. God's called me to be this. I'm going to jumpstart the process. I'm going to make this happen. Check it out. He does it. He goes to the Israelites. He's expecting a certain response from them. And when he doesn't get it, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 wait a second. And so we jump back to Exodus chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Moses is, is out there the next day. Right? He does this, goes to them, and they're like, huh, I don't, I don't understand. Why would you do that? Like, what, what, are, you do, what are you doing? Right? He comes back the next day, and he sees these two Hebrew guys fighting each other. And so he tries to step in, and he's like, yo, yo, hey, y'all need to chill out, man. Don't be fighting each other. Like, well, what's, what's that all about? It says, and the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Of the two Hebrew guys that are fighting, they go back to Moses, like, like yo, who do you think you are? You think you got authority over this situation or something? He says, are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Uh oh, wait a second. You guys didn't see that as a positive? Hold on, hold on. You guys didn't realize that that was me taking charge of you? You didn't realize I did that for you? You didn't realize that I was trying to rally the troops, get this thing going for liberation and all the things that God has called me to and called you to and done all of this? And then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And so when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. So when the TMZ video leaked of him killing the Egyptian, right, Moses was like, whoa, wait a second. He didn't get the response that he thought he was going to get. The troops didn't rally behind him. And nothing was working out. And so he bails. He retreats. He says, God, you know, yo, I know you caught me this thing, but I'm out. Peace. Like, this is not going down the way. You said this was going to go down. I didn't think it was going to go this way. I thought it was going to go something different. This is not easy. This is tough. I don't know what I'm going to do, Right? This is the process after the preparation for Moses to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, out of bondage. He puts the cart before the horse, gets this idea in his head. Nowhere in scripture does it say that God told him to seek vengeance and retribution for the Hebrew that is getting abused by Egypt, by the Egyptian. Nowhere does it say that it was God's plan or God's idea for Moses to do this. This is Moses in his flesh, in his confidence of himself saying, I'm going to jumpstart this process Let's make it happen. And then fast forward a little bit to Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It gives us sort of a snapshot of where Joseph finds himself. So he sits down at the well in Midian. He meets these women who are uh, being, you know, tormented by these shepherds. He steps in. He's like, 
yo, back off. They back off. The women go home. They tell their dad. They're like, oh, he was so strong and so handsome, and he rescued us. And the dad's like, and you left him at the well? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, go get him. We'll feed him dinner, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he ends up marrying one of the dude's daughters, has a couple kids. Um, and so then we find Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and it says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Okay, you know what this tells us? Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. The sign of wealth, the sign of upstanding, an upstanding person in their culture, in their society, was how much property you had and how many animals you had. That was a signal of, you know, your household. What do you have in your household? How, how well off are you? How important are you? How respected are you? So here we have Moses tending not his flock, his father-in-law's flock. Bummer, right? This is telling us that Moses was a nobody. Moses had nothing. Moses was not a man of upstanding stature in society. He was tending his father-in-law's flock, and not only that, he led the flock to the far side of the desert. Moses is on the back side of nowhere with nothing, a nobody. That's where we pick him up in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Think about that. Think about the spiral that is the process for Moses. Think about the downward spiral that took place. He's saved from the genocide of Hebrew children. He's miraculously placed in the palace with the Pharaoh. He's got this great life where he's educated with the Egyptians. He's, he's sleeping in their beds. He's walking in their palace courts. He's eating their food. He's hanging out with like the highest of high in, in the social system of Egypt, right? In the most intellectual, it was the intellectual epicenter of the known world at that time was, was, was Egypt. And he was being educated in all that, right? Last week it said that Moses grew in stature and grew in speech, that he was becoming confident and a leader. Extra biblical writers tell us that, that Moses had already won battles on account of Egypt. And he was this great war leader and this hero and all this different stuff. And then it spirals because he put the cart before the horse and he decided to follow himself rather than God. And it spirals, spirals, spirals. So now he finds himself a nobody with nothing in the middle of nowhere. Think about that. It goes on to say, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And that's where we'll pick it up next week. But think about that spiral of events that is his process. Oftentimes we hear about Moses and the promise. Pharaoh, let my people go. The parting of the Red Sea, the miracles, the plagues, the, the, the heroicism, the, all the things that go down. But, and, and we hear about the preparation a lot too. Oh, sweet baby Moses in the Nile River. But this process is brutal. This process is grueling. This process for Moses, from preparation to promise, this journey, this was 40 years. 40 years of this. Think about that logistically. Think about that. The first 40 years of your life, you're told that you're a somebody. You're winning battles. You're a leader. You're raised in Pharaoh's palace. You're like a young prince. You're, you're on top of your game. For the next 40 years... It's just a straight slide down to where you find yourself tending your father-in-law's flock, not even your own, from your own household, on the backside of the desert where nobody knows you, nobody cares about you, 
and you got nothing. Think about that process that took place. Think about where Moses' head is at 80 years old. Right? He's 80 years old before the burning bush encounter. 80 years old. Do you think he's sitting there thinking, man, God is so good and so faithful. Man, it's a great life. I highly doubt it. I think that his process had kind of beat the crap out of him. You know why I think that? Because it says in the preparation at the beginning in uh, Acts chapter 7, I think verse 2, where it's going through and it says, Moses was raised by the Egyptians and he was strong in stature and in speech. Right? Saying that he was this confident, strong leader. And we'll see next week that when this bush starts talking, when the angel of the Lord starts speaking to Moses, says, I want you to release my people. You know what Moses says? He says, but God, I'm not eloquent of speech. I don't have anything to say. I'm not a good communicator. I'm not a good leader. But wait a second. Before this process, you were. You were a great leader. You were all this. And then this process got him to a point where he says, man, no, that's, that's not me. I, I don't think I can do that. Because the process beat the crap out of him. The process was tough. The process was grueling. The process was difficult for Moses. And so I feel like, I feel like there are sort of three ideas, three takeaways that we can grab from this, from the process of Moses, that there's three different phases that we can apply to our process. Because like I said last week, we're all in process. We're all either in the, in the preparation phase, in the process phase, or the promise phase. And if you're in the promise phase, a preparation phase is coming because it's cyclical for us, Right? God is continually calling us to grow, continually calling us to develop, continually calling us to passionately pursue Him. And when we do that, there's going to be a phase of preparation, a phase of process, and a phase of promise. And then it goes back to a phase of preparation, a phase of process, a phase of promise. And so I feel like there's three sort of different phases of our process that can be applicable from this story, and it's this. There's early in the process, middle of the grind, and the darkest hour. I feel like these are sort of the phases of our process when things get tough, when things get hard, when, when opposition begins to come, when things become challenging. Here's the deal. Early in the process, once you feel like you're prepared, once you feel like God has called you to something, and you feel like that you've made the preparation to take it on, you've done your due diligence, you've done everything you can in your power to prepare you for what God is calling you to and where God is taking you, at the early stages of the process, God's timing is everything. Everything. You can be prepared as prepared can be, but if you're not in God's timing, it's not going to work. If you're not in God's timing, it's going to be a catastrophe. Moses was ready. Moses wanted to get this thing going. And so Moses was focused on God's will, but lost sight of God. And that's a small thing, but that can happen to all of us. Oh, I know that God has called me to this. I know that God has called me to that. And we get so focused on where we're going to go and who we're going to be that we lose sight of God in the process. And then we jump started in our own power. We jump started in the flesh. And when we do that, we're not operating in the will of God. We're not operating in His perfect plan because we've taken the reins. And we've taken control. And so at the early phase of this process, God's timing is everything. Here's the deal. If God has called you to do it, you can do it. 
If God has called you, you can do it. But at the early phases, his timing is everything. And then once you get into the process and you face these oppositions and you face these hard times and these struggles and all of this, in the middle of the grind, we have to remember, yo, it requires hard work. Just because that you are following the call of God, the will of God, growing into who he wants you to be and what he wants you to do, it doesn't mean that it's going to be rainbows, rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies the whole way. Like you're just walking on clouds now that you follow Jesus, right? No opposition, no hard times, no struggle, no pushback. None of that stuff happens because, oh, I'm a Christian now. I don't face those hard times. I don't face those struggles. Everything aligns if I'm in the perfect will. No. Yo, it requires hard work. Moses went through some grueling, grueling times. Here at Central, we've gone through some really hard times. A lot of really hard work to make, I mean, cosmetically, yes, but theologically and, and, and philosophically in the way that we approach ministry and church. and all, It's been a lot of hard work. It doesn't just happen. And who God has called you to be and what God has called you to do doesn't just happen. For anybody. Everyone. It requires hard work when you're in the middle of the grind and then the darkest hour. That's when you feel like, man, now this is it. I, I failed. I can't. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. I would have loved to talk to Moses the day before the burning bush. I would have loved to have a conversation with him. Because at 80 years old, the day before, his best years were ahead of him. Where he thought that it was over, where he thought he was on the backside of nowhere with nothing, a nobody, his, best, his whole entire life was about to change that very next day. I can't imagine all the loneliness that he was feeling, all the depression that I'm sure he battled, all the angst that he was dealing with that was attacking him. I, I can't imagine. I would love to have a conversation with him the day before. Because if you find yourself in this process, if you find yourself early in the process, if God has called you to do it, you can do it. If God has called you to it, you can do this. If you're in the middle of the grind and it requires hard work and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can push through. I don't know if I can make this happen. I don't know if I can accomplish this. Listen, if God has called you to it, you can do it. If God has called you, you can do it. And if you're in your darkest hour and you're thinking, man, I'm just going to throw in there, don't give up. Don't give up. If God has called you, you can do this. If God has called you, you can do this. Don't think it's going to be rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns, but if God has called you, you can do this. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to give us some time, give us just a few minutes to sort of reflect on that. Wherever you find yourself in this process, if you find yourself early in the process, you're saying, God, I'm ready, God, I'm ready. You're chomping at the bit, ready to get this thing going, ready to do what you're called to do, be who you're called to be, and God's saying, yo, chill, you're not ready, chill, chill, chill. God's timing is everything. Don't put the cart before the horse. Don't get so excited about what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be that you lose sight of God himself and his call and his direction. And so if you're early in the process, maybe you just need to pray, God, give me patience. I know you called me to this. I know I can do it, but I need your guidance. I need your direction. I need you to lead me. If you're in the middle of the grind and it requires hard work and you are struggling, I want to encourage you. If God has called you, you can do this. If God has called you, you can do this. Be encouraged. Maybe you need to pray and say, God, give me some encouragement. God, give me strength. Give me wisdom. Give me guidance. Help me through this. If you're in the darkest hour and you're ready to give up, listen, if God has called you, you can do this. Don't give up. 
God has called you. You can do this. You don't know where your burning bush experience is. It could be tomorrow. It could be a week. It could be two weeks. It could be two months. It could be two years from now. But if God has called you, you can do this. We sing these songs. You are good. You are good. You are faithful. You're all this stuff. Do we believe that? If God has called you, you can do this. Don't give up. Don't lose sight. Don't lose hope in the process. So let's spend a few minutes together just praying about our process as the band leads us into the song. Let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.